what the theme of today is, it's following a series that we've been uh, on for a few weeks about just how we share our faith or how we have spiritual conversations with, with others. And today it's about fears that we might have about mentioning things of God. And I'm just in a short time just to try and allay some of those fears. Some of um, uh, you here who aren't um, uh, Christians perhaps have fears the other way. Oh, I don't want Christians coming to, to talk about faith. That, that, that's scary. And it shouldn't be scary. It should be a natural conversation about things of God. But maybe it does fit in talking about Halloween because I worry that if, if we don't share about faith and spiritual things, then things like the, the spiritual things that are portrayed at Halloween will, will grow and develop and not countered. So let's just briefly think, well, my thoughts of Halloween. Did you know that there's going to be an estimated 400 million pounds being spent in this country on Halloween things? Surely there's a better use for 400 million pounds. In America, it's of course much bigger. 350 million dollars will be spent, it's estimated, on Halloween costumes for their pets. Surely there's better uses of that money. We've been talking about the refugees and the homeless. And, um, and I think, the, according to the statistics that I've seen, $7.4 billion will be spent overall in America about Halloween. I really feel for parents of young children. Perhaps Matilda's a little too young to be worried about um, Halloween, but the dilemmas of do we really want our children to be dressed up in, in all sorts of nasty costumes? It, it's tough. Surely there's, there is lots of nastiness in the, in the world. We don't want to sort of encourage it. We want to en- encourage good things. And, and then, like my elderly mother just locked away upst- herself upstairs last night, switched all the lights on, just because she was scared of, of anybody calling. There's lots of, of things. But just the last thing, just the spiritual dangers of encouraging bad spiritual stuff. Now, some people say, well, it's just a bit of fun. And I understand that. And for most people, it's just a bit of fun and it's not serious and it's, they haven't spent how many billions on on the costumes and the like. So I'm not sort of trying to condemn anybody if they were involved last night. But that just uh, that idea of it's just a bit of fun struck me. The, some of the spiritual things that it was talking about, um, uh, you know, ghosts and, uh, and all of that. I mean, I've been to people's houses, been invited to people's houses, who have been so scared of ghosts and poltergeists and stuff like that and invited me and others from the church to go and pray for cleansing, which we've done. And they have been cleansed. But these are 
are powerful things. There's a, a house in Preston, I don't know if you saw it, they, they reckon they'd spent £20,000 over the last few years on Halloween things. And they were doing it for a good cause, Christian, um, cancer relief, but one of the rooms was designated as the exorcism room. And it was meant to just people laugh about it. If anybody's ever had anything to do with exorcism, to do with um, when people feel, well, possessed or, or empowered by, by evil, it's certainly not just a bit of fun. So I just felt I should say that. And maybe, maybe there's good things about Halloween, maybe all sorts of good things. Um, but one of the good things, perhaps, is that although there's dangers of entering into bad spiritual stuff, it may just raise the, the profile of spiritual things in this sometimes materialistic, atheistic age. It raises the whole question of, of spiritual things. So maybe there might be some good there. So as we come to our, our first reading which has a background in, in death, really, in that this reading's often read out at funerals, and it's where Jesus was going to leave, and where Jesus uh, was leaving them bereft. It has quite a lot to teach us, and, and I think it has quite a lot to teach us about some of the, the fears that, or difficulties that we, uh, we perhaps face and maybe face in sharing about spiritual matters. Derek, would you like to, to come out? Thank you, Derek, for reading to us from your Braille sheet. That's wonderful. reading from uh, John's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's, in my, father, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Thank you, Derek. And the, uh, the second half of that reading will 
will be read a little bit later. So the opening line of that was, do not let your hearts be troubled. Maybe in what I shared about um, Halloween, that troubled some. That's not Jesus' intention. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus wants us to live in peace and in joy. And that is the good news of the gospel. And that's why it should be talked about. We should share it. And so it's, it's difficult when people are reluctant to, uh, to do so because of fears. And I'd encourage you to share about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's fears, and one of the fears is, what if I don't know the answers to the questions that people have? One of the, uh, the questions that sometimes people have is, well, well, does it really matter? You know, I've got my beliefs, you've got yours. Does it, does it really matter? You know, let's, let's just ignore that. This reading says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. And that's interpreted, and I think rightly, as being heaven. And I think that's, uh, that's a very comforting message, isn't it? Heaven is big. There's lots of room. And so we can get into the idea, well, it doesn't matter what we believe, we'll be going to heaven anyway. But then Jesus said, I am going there to prepare a place for you. In other words, it's through Jesus that we can go to heaven. So it does matter. It's not just a case of I've got my beliefs, you've got yours. It does matter about this question of death. Probably the most important question. It does matter what we believe has serious implications. So I'd encourage these spiritual conversations. And then the reading continues. You know the way to the place where I'm going, said Jesus. And Thomas, I love Thomas. You, if you know Thomas, he's often called Doubting Thomas. He asks the questions. And sometimes when we ask questions, it can be illuminating. And he said, Lord, I don't know where we're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's such a powerful statement, what we started with. That lots of people say, well, yeah, Jesus, well, that's just a way. There's lots of other ways. There's lots of other religions. Which, which way is the right way? Well, Jesus is making that claim. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And sometimes that runs against sort of postmodern society, which says, well, you can believe what you like. But Jesus is making those claims, and we all need to acknowledge that and make our own choice. Do we believe that or not? And when we're sharing the faith, well, some will say, well, I don't really bother. But that's up to them. That's from John chapter 14, verse 6. I gave a, a lift to a man a few years ago now who told me something of his story because it was from down south up to here. 
he was a Muslim man. Well, he was when he started telling me the, uh, uh, about the story of what had happened to him some years ago. He'd grew up, his father was an imam. He was grew up being trained to be an imam himself. When one night, he had a dream. And in that dream, a man came to him and said, John 14, verse 6. Do you want to put that up, Colin? That, um, John 14, verse 6. Now, this man had no idea what that meant. He didn't know that the Bible was split into chapters and, and verses. He had no idea. He just had had this dream of this man saying, John 14, verse 6. But it, it played on his mind. He went to, uh, to his family and to others and said, what's this John 14, verse 6? And they said, don't do anything to do with that. That's not of, uh, of God. Ignore it. But it wouldn't go away. And he had other experiences. I haven't got time to, to go through all of that. Until one day, he discovered a Bible on a, on a coffee table. And he went into the toilet to secretly look at it, because he knew he'd, he'd be in trouble if he looked at it. And he found John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he began a journey of discovering Jesus. He was disowned by his family, but he's now a, a, a Christian minister, as are some of his brothers as well. And it was that verse that God spoke, and, and he knew that he had to respond. So let's not be fearful of sharing things. That man is so happy now that he's found the truth. And the reading does continue, but just where has he gone? Just before Steve does so, um, I know sometimes we're worried about share, talking about spiritual things because people perhaps won't like us anymore if we talk about such things. You know, don't talk about um, what is it, sex, politics, and religion. But just tell you a quick story. There's a man called Andy Frost who had two friends, and uh, he told one friend about Jesus and he hadn't told the other friend who was annoyed with him it was the one that he hadn't told about Jesus don't you value me as a friend don't you want me to know this good news if you think it's good news and so there was he did fall out but with the uh, the one that he hadn't told Steve continue this reading This is John chapter 14, verses 7 to 19. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time... Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say, 
that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified the Son, in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I lived, you also will live. Amen. So just to... uh well, to finish off, really, that uh, about this reading, and I do apologise if uh, some feel it's not relevant to them. Um, uh, we're just following this series through, which ends today, because next week is Remembrance, and then we uh, embark on uh, several months looking at Jesus, the essential Jesus. And if you've not um, got ordered your book from Colin or written up on the sheet, then I'd encourage you to do that. Let's just look at this. Another question that sometimes people worry about sharing spiritual things is that science and religion, surely science has has disproved religion. You you sound a bit silly if you talk about spiritual things. Um, uh, Richard Dawkins is one of the great exponents of this who wrote his book in 2006, uh, The God Delusion. And he said things like, uh, faith is a process of non-thinking, it's evil because it requires no justification, no argument. He, uh, he writes very well, but his arguments aren't always very scientific or, 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 or good. A man called McGrath wrote a book called The Dawkins Delusion, pointing out some of these. And uh, McGrath, who's a scientist, says that science can answer many answers, many questions, and that's good. But there's lots that science just can't answer. And they're often the big questions, like love. Science can't answer questions of love. Or why am I here? Or is there a God? It just can't answer them. It it hasn't got the, the mechanism to do that. But I'd just like to say, don't be worried. I, I love science. Uh, I'm, um, uh, that's my background. And... I, uh, I love to investigate more about God's wor- world. And just, just to say one point, 2006, the same year that the God Delusion came out, Owen Gingerich, professor of astronomy at Harvard, so he's no, no idiot, wrote the book God's Universe, about his Christian faith and how he sees the universe. And Francis Collins, director of the Human Genome Project, wrote the book, The Language of God. Again, about his Christian faith. 
Just finally, one of the big questions that people have if you start talking of God is, well, why does God allow suffering? Now, in the remaining one minute that I've got, I'm not going to answer that question. But in that that reading, um, uh, well, it, it talks about, I don't know if you can find it, verse 11 of that reading, Colin. It talks at the end, evidence of the works themselves. That's a sort of scientific sort of idea. Look at the evidence. But then also, as it, as it goes on, the, uh, the reading just looks at, at the world. And sometimes people say, well, I can't believe in God because of all of the suffering. I was reading about Michael Ramsden, who's, uh, who's been asked this question many times, and he gave his answers. But he's only asked that question in the West. He's travelled through India and, uh, and in really poor parts, places that suffer so much. And do you know, he's never been asked that question seems to be in the West that we perhaps expect things to be perfect and when they're not, we look for a reason and uh, so I just encourage you, when you do share with people and if people say, well, you know, I've had this terrible experience, don't try and give glib answers. Just enter into that suffering with them and I believe that God wants to enter into that suffering with them. And then the final thing, verse 17, please, Colin. About the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will live in you. What we are experts at sharing is just our own experience of God. And it's bigger, it's wider than we sometimes think. There was a book released a little while ago where somebody researched non-Christians and many, many of them had had secret spiritual experiences. Some hadn't told their wives or partners. So just encourage all of us just to share those spiritual encounters and try and discern what's going on. Is there a God? How does God relate? And then I think it will be uh, so much better just to be able to share what we know of our spiritual lives and of God.